0: Hello and welcome back to Young Nostalgia, the podcast that takes a trip down memory lane from two guys that never lived it. I'm Nolan and as always my co host, Ben, is across the pond, uh sitting eight hundred miles away from me, but we're in the same <laughs> recording studio and it's great to be back, Ben. How you doing, man?
1: Uh I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> it's been it's been a a rough week so far, but uh back to Young Nostalgia from a week off, so it's it's pretty good now.
0: Right, we wish everyone had a fantastic Thanksgiving. We apologize for being late, but uh, both work has gotten us by the tail, and it's been <laughs> hard to try and find some extra time to sit down together and crank show prep out as well as uh, record itself. So... Um, this week, actually, within the within the next two episodes of Young Nostalgia, um, we're with very heavy hearts, but also very fondly remembering and talking about two of some of our childhood idols that passed away this month in November. Um, Stan Lee is who we're going to be talking about um, this episode and his contributions to the comic world and really just entertainment in general. And then next week, we'll be talking about Steven um, Hillenberg, who created Spongebob, which Ben and I are a huge fan of, and yeah. our good friend Kyle as well. We would spend nights just watching SpongeBob episodes, um, cranking through them, and just laughing at uh, the good times, so, or you know, maybe even the humor that we didn't necessarily see as kids, but we see now as um, <laughs> half adults. I guess we can call ourselves because we don't I wouldn't try really to really call us too adults. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, just tall children. That's really all we are. So. Yes. But as always, it's good to be back. Thank you guys for joining us. Um, It means a lot to have you guys here. So once again, it's that time of year uh, to begin teaming up with our favorite Etsy retailer, Real Big Stitch. Um, who does cozy knits and um, all of your hand-knitted needs and great presents for friends, family, anyone of the like coming up on this holiday season. Emily has a wide variety of products to choose from and can even cater to custom requests if you have something special in mind, whether it be colors, patterns, designs, whatever you feel she'll be able to accommodate you. So from now until December 31st, excuse me, 2018, you can use code Nostalgia 18 all caps, Nostalgia 18 for an additional 10% off just in time for the holiday season That's Nostalgia18, no spaces, all caps You'll get 10% off your order with Cozy Knits by Real Big Stitch Longtime friend and fan of ours Thanks so much, Emily, for teaming up with us We're excited to support you in any way possible So, without further ado, I'll be ready to jump in, big guy I was born ready Alright, man, episode 55 about <laughs> Stan Lee coming your way We'll probably we'll probably name this episode, episode 55, Excelsior today, Genius huh? Genius. <laughs> genius. <laughs> All right, I'll read this little blurb and then we'll get into his early life. So, just an overall, an overarching description of who Stanley was and what he contributed. Um, Stanley, born Stanley Martin Lieber, was born December 28, 1922, in New York, New York. And he was most commonly known as a comic book writer and publisher with attributions to Spider Man, the X Men, Iron Man, the Hulk, and many many more including captain america um, a lot of the characters within the marvel universe he had his name tied to often associated with creating the marvel units with co-writer artist jack kirby and steve ditko his career spans so many generations and has connected with so many to allow them to escape into a different world full of heroic up, ups and downs that's for sure so this is stan lee and our head is off to um, his family his friends and everyone that was close to him and helped him get to where he was. Um, thank you for everything that he contributed. And this is to you guys out there. But quick disclaimer, this is by no means comprehensive of his entire life. There are so many milestones that he achieved that there is no way we can give him the best tribute out there. Uh, but this is just a quick and dirty um, appreciation of Stanley. All right, big guy. <laughs> it's all yours. All right, moving a little bit, kind of uh,
1: backtracking a little bit to his early life. <clears throat> Lee's family ended up moving around quite a bit, um, especially uh, especially with the Great Depression, um, as you know that was a huge impact on everybody, especially the Lee family, who was already very prone to moving around. Uh, Lee had one younger brother named Larry Lieber. Um, and stated that their childhood was influenced by books and movies, particularly the Errol Flynn in heroic roles. Um, and that's kind of a, a, a little snapshot, uh, taking us, you know, giving a look into what his future interests are going to be a little bit. Um, Lee, uh, Lee attended the DeWitt Clinton High School in the Bronx, In his youth, Lee enjoyed writing and entertaining dreams of writing the great American novel, in quote unquote, one day. Um, At the age of 15, Lee entered a high school essay competition sponsored by the New York Herald Tribune called the Biggest News of the Week contest. Lee claims to have won the prize for three straight weeks. Excuse me, goading the newspaper to write him and ask him to let somebody else win. Classic Stan Lee fashion. Uh, <laughs> right. The paper suggested he look into writing professionally, which Lee claims, uh, quote, probably changed my life. Um, and I don't think truer words have ever been spoken.
0: <laughs> exactly. Even dating back way to when he was um, reading and watching movies of the Errol Flynn and heroic roles, that kind of cemented you know, his mindset of his writing as well. Um, kind of like those fantasy lands um you know the good guys always come out on top kind of worlds and um you know for him to really kind of show this early promise of writing uh through the new york times herald uh, new york herald tribune really just kind of paved the way for stardom almost off the bat Um, obviously a lot of work went into it but he had almost natural instinct to know how to connect and write to people um in, in a comic book way
1: Yeah, exactly, and 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 that's something that you know just wasn't it wasn't his career in life, you know, to do that. That was his life. Right. That's what he grew up doing. That's what he made his name doing. And that's as we'll get to a little bit later. That's what he ended up. uh, That's what he died doing. Um, Pretty much all facets of his life revolved around some sort of entertainment.
0: And I feel like it really takes that sort of passion and drive to be able to make such an expansive universe as he had the part in doing. Um, Okay, so we'll move into his early career. Ben, you and I can kind of split this up since it's a little bit of a, a bigger section. So with help from his uncle, Stan was actually able to become an assistant in the new timely comics division of Pulp Magazine publisher Martin Goodman's company. So uh, by the 1960s, Timely would actually evolve into the Marvel Comics. So kind of diving into what his early role was in this Timely Comics division um, is pretty much what you could think of as an assistant, literally getting coffee, doing the dirty work. <laughs> um, his duties were you know stereotypical. Stereotypical, Lee would say, in those days, um, <laughs> referring to the artists of those comic books, they actually dipped their pen and in ink to draw um, the pictures that we would, you know, see and kind of interpret. So Lee himself had to make sure that the ink wells, ink wells were filled. So his job was to, you know, refill them and make sure they're in the right color, um, you know, kind of to the specifications oh. of the individual artists. Like that's what his job was. So he recalled in two thousand in a 2009 interview that I went down and got them for lunch. I did proofreading. I erased the pencils from the finished pages for them. Everything that the artists just didn't either feel like they had time for or didn't feel like doing Lee was the one to pick up the job.
1: <laughs> yeah. And you know that <laughs> there there's it doesn't matter what career there is there always seems to be like there's that one there's that one job that one person that's always doing stuff like this and it's you know it's always the new person it's always that one new guy or an intern or something
0: like that. Um right one with like bright eyes, bushy tails, like really wanting to find their one break.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they're willing to do anything, even if it's, you know, a, a demeaning job like that, willing to do anything that is
0: um, just to get their foot in the door. <clears throat> Have you ever had an experience like that? Like something that where you just kind of starry eyed and really just wanted to make an impression?
1: Nope. I rise to the top in everything I do.
0: We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> I guess I, I I rise to the top in everything I do. So you don't even you don't even start at the bottom, you're just automatically in the top.
1: Yeah, just jump start, boom,
0: top. <laughs> I I could I could I could relate to Stanley in this in this instance. I um you know kind of putting Ben on the back burner right now. I've had that experience when I got into the radio business here in Lincoln. Um you know, I've tried for a year and a half to try and get in. Um, and just being in the presence for, you know, even at the station manager's office for 15 minutes, just to, you know, talk to her and understand like where I'm coming from, what they're looking for, um, year and a half. And I finally made it in and it is just insane. My first day there, I was like, you know, sweating all over the place. I was nervous. I didn't know how to do it. It's almost like I forgot how to talk in front of a microphone. Um, and you know, I'm just doing the dirty work of a traffic guy on Tuesday, Thursdays, obviously I'm still doing it, but like that's a guy who talks for 20 seconds a day. You know what I mean? Like nobody's going to remember that. Nobody's going to necessarily pay attention, but it's, it's the way you deliver it and how you change your tone about the job itself and the way you, and the way you look at it and portray the job to others that really makes an impact on yourself and the people around you to help you get your foot deeper into the door. So I'm, I'm in Stan Lee's position right now.
1: (laughs) Yeah. maybe,
0: Maybe I'll, Maybe I'll be Ben's status in about two years.
1: <laughs> no, but joking aside, no, I I haven't I necessarily know. been in that been in that situation. I have uh, been lucky enough to pretty much any place that I've worked has you know been needing help bad enough to where I haven't had to be that guy. Does that make sense? So,
0: yeah, no, it does.
1: It you know it's I depending on what it was yes you know it, you know if you you really want if I really wanted something bad enough yes of course I could be that guy but I I haven't had that experience so
0: right yep we've never Maybe run out someday. of beer in the fridge so whoever takes the last one you're not begging for it <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right all right let, so, we'll, we'll continue on
1: okay yeah I'll take the next one here Stam's comic book. Comic writing debut came in Captain America, always fantastic here, (laughs) uh, comic number three um, with the text filler, Captain America foils the traitor's revenge. Uh, This is when he began to use the pseudonym Stan Lee instead of Stanley Lieber. Lee later explained in his autobiography and numerous other sources that because of the low social status of comic books, he was so embarrassed that he used a pen name so that nobody would associate uh, nobody would associate his real name with comics. Um, when he someday wrote the great American novel, <laughs> um, you know this is kind of weird to think about just because. You know, the whole reason why he's Stan Lee is because he was too embarrassed to put his name on this, you know, his real name on this and look at the, look at the empire that he
0: built. Right. I mean, even look at the stature of what comics were. I mean, back then the main form of writing were like books, newspapers, right? Where people kind of got their entertainment um, and that kind of stuff. And I think it's really interesting how the low stature of comics were back then because when when back then i feel like obviously i can't really relate necessarily <laughs> but when you think of comics you're thinking of like garfield or those things in the newspapers that are short little strips but the right. comics that stan lee was starting to do was defying the norm it was different it was just kind of bizarre way of reading and bringing comics it's not necessarily comedy more of just like this interesting heroic figure that obviously is out of this world. Um, yeah, it was. It's interesting to see how how that ch- has changed over time.
1: Yeah, well, it, it was it was originally seen as just a a very childish childish fantasy type thing, right? And you know that's that's one of the main reasons that it was so it was kind of looked down upon at the time, um, and. It had. You're right. It, it has changed a lot. I mean, there's. That's what people. There's people now that that's what they do. That's what they're into. Is some people's jobs is they're like right. comic book curators.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like you not know? even the world itself as an escape, but creating this world. Stan Lee was able to pioneer that, which is amazing.
1: Yeah, and it was. It was all. It was just all about his connection to the fan base that. You know, was was one of his driving forces behind behind the success
0: of Marvel, right? Oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, Stan would actually continue to chase his dream and move from writing fillers to having hand on creations. With the first co creation being the Destroyer. So, other characters he co created during this period that fans and historians actually call the Golden Age of comics include the characters Jack Frost and Father Time. To be honest, I don't really. I'm not really familiar with those, but I I know that his name has been um, attached to the golden age of comics um, back in the day, kind of when they were starting to gain a foothold in people's households of popularity. Mm -hmm. So feel free to hop on the next one.
1: All right. When Simon and his creative partner, Jack Kirby, left late in 1941 following a dispute with Goodman, the 30-year-old publisher installed... Lee, just under nineteen years old, as interim editor, um, which is gigantic for someone like oh, Stanley, sure. who has that kind of, you know, drive to make something happen. You know, being just, it pretty much just plopped in his lap. You know, right, right. And um, then,
0: like, it, I was reading a little bit. It was kind of something that was he did such a good job that he, would like, Jack Kirby and Simon were almost like, hey, we have nowhere else to turn. Lee, are you free to do this job for now until we find somebody better? And then it turns out they didn't find somebody better, and they just kind of thought, "Hey, Lee is really growing into this role. Why don't we just keep staying there?" And that's kind of how it all started, especially his relationship with Jack Kirby, um, mm-hmm. and they just created madness together—not madness, <laughs> but greatness together.
1: Greatness, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, these two guys. I throughout the rest of the show, you'll be hearing, you know, that. Them together used as a pair very often, um, right? You know, along the milestones in both Marvel and Stan Lee's life, right? Um, right. So, I'll move on to the next point, and uh, you'll be able, You, I'll let you knock out the last one. Uh, Lee would subsequently join the army, but held his knack for comic writing. While in the army, Lee received letters every week on Friday from editors at the Timely. Uh, detailing what they needed written and by when. Lee would then write, uh, excuse me, Lee would write, then send the story back on Monday. So, on top of all the other stress of, you know, being in the army at this time, he was piling more writing work onto his workload. Right. And... (laughs)
0: Which Isn't that just awesome? Just, like it's he fantastic. just never, he never wanted to let go. He never wanted to <laughs> to stop for any period of time. I think it's fantastic. There's a short little anecdote that we didn't put in our uh, show notes, but there was a time where uh, the post actually either came late or forgot his letter that he was going to mail out back to them to write the comic, oh, um, oh. and. It was in the mail room, but it was locked. So he actually ended up picking the lock, opening it, getting the letter for it to be mailed out. And he was about to be like court-martialed and dishonorably discharged and actually possibly prison time. But uh, there was a sergeant of some other division that was that stepped in front or a colonel or something stepped in front and stopped it. But he was so driven to be able to create this work no matter (laughs) where he he was. He was ready to go to any length. That's fantastic.
1: That's crazy, because that's—I mean—that's like a—that's a serious offense to get wrapped up in, you know. Just
0: oh, for sure.
1: Just for you know, his to fulfill his need for writing. Um, you know, if if someone <laughs> right, hadn't right. stepped in, that would have been a disaster.
0: <laughs> there might not have been a Stan Lee. Well, there oh. would have been Stanley, but not the Stanley we know. <laughs> no, definitely not. Stanley in uh, the stockade. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, finish up his early career So in the mid-1950s By which time the company was now generally known as Atlas Comics Lee wrote stories in a variety of genres Including romance, westerns, humor Science fiction, medieval adventure Horror, as well as suspense And at this time, his kind of passion Was dry, it was starting to dwindle Just because of um, he wasn't really sure where his career was going. He was unsure and dissatisfied of, of where the company and, and his writing was like the outlook of what was going to happen um, with this writing. So, um, he actually was contemplating leaving the field completely, um, and just starting someplace else. And, uh, this is kind of where everything kind of started evolving into what we know as Marvel and his passion just never stopped growing from there. Uh, before we start into Marvel, uh, I know we don't really talk much about comics and and superheroes and stuff like that, but who is who is your favorite superhero in the Marvel universe?
1: Uh, you know, that's a hard one. I think I might have a tie on my favorite. Boo! Be, you know, I I'm always that guy. <laughs> I I know, but I like I love the Hulk because Hulk smash. Hulk is the strongest one there is.
0: And he doesn't put up with anything.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the Hulk is fantastic. I just, especially, you know, in, uh, you know, probably a more relatable topic that people would know is like the Avenger movies and the Hulk movies. That's, I mean, that's the best part is Hulk smash, (laughs) right? (laughs) you know, but at the same time, I've, I really, really, really like Captain America. Ooh,
0: yeah. You're you're very you're a very patriotic America kind of guy. America,
1: yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> and you know, so that's you gotta love the cap.
0: Yeah. So it's I, it's a given.
1: It's it's a hard one. It's a hard one. But I, I will say I do I know I know the Hulk better. Um I have read quite a few Hulk comic books. Um my dad has, you know, a whole I think it's in the basement. There's a, a whole box of Hulk comic books from when he used to no get back in the day, and I've read a bunch of them. I had you know, no idea. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, I haven't... That's really all that I've read. I've, you know, I've never read a Captain America comic book. You know, I've read things on the internet, you know, about Captain America and the Marvel uh, multiverse and, you know, that sort of stuff. And I, a little bit of background on that, but I've never read any comic books. I just like him for what he is. Um, right. But... But yeah, I I don't know. I like Captain America, but I also like Hulk Smash. Okay. What about you? Right. what do you got? I bet you, you let, think me, you, guess. Do you, let yeah, me guess. Yeah, yeah, let's say bit, can you guess? I I just feel like you're a Spider Man guy.
0: <laughs> I am. I am for sure a Spider Man guy. One hundred percent. I knew it. I love Spider Man, everything about him. Um one big thing that really draws me to him is that he's a superhero, but he's also like a kid. Like he's he's naive about himself, the powers. Like, you know, he doesn't understand what's bigger than just the world of Spider-Man itself. And right. I think it's interesting when he starts to learn more, um, you see him grow as a, as a superhero and as a person. Um, and I, I just feel like it's really easy to connect with him. And I love it. I think the way that he just comes off as super cheesy. I mean, you know me. You spent plenty of time yes. with me. Like <laughs> You are Mr. Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. it it's but, fantastic.
1: But, you know, this is... This is one of the few things that we actually disagree on. As far as, you know, our pretty much any topic that goes along with any show that we ever do, this is one of the few things that we actually disagree on is Spider-Man because I I can't stand Spider-Man. <laughs> he hates him. <laughs> yeah. But why? Um, I have
0: to ask you why.
1: And you know what? I I don't have a definite answer for that. And that's <laughs> and that's crazy. I know. I just I just this, can't get into Spider-Man. It might be part it might be the cheese factor of it. I don't know.
0: Does, does he just like annoy you? Is that kind of it where it's just kind of annoying?
1: Yeah, and you know, part of my distaste for Spider-Man might come from I I, I cannot stand the Spider-Man movies. Ah. Uh-huh. You know, especially the uh the ones with oh my goodness, Tobey Maguire? Yes. <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> and maybe that's one of the reasons I don't like Spider-Man. I don't know. I just there's
0: just something about Spider-Man that I
1: just, I'm not, I, I can't do it.
0: I'll make a fan out of you yet. We've got how many more years together on this earth? I'll make a fan out of you.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, try your best. <laughs> but you know what? I think you brought up a fantastic um, kind of segue when you were talking about, uh, one of the reasons you love Spider-Man is because he's, also has the trials and tribulations of being a kid. Right. And that is a fantastic lead-in to one of the successes of Marvel that we're about to get into.
0: All right, big so guy, take
1: it away. In the late 1950s, DC Comics editor, switching gears a little bit, DC Comics editor Julius Schwartz revived the superhero archetype and ex- ...experienced a significant success with its updated version of The Flash... ...and later on with a super team, that, which was called the Justice League of America. So, in response, publisher Martin Goodman assigned Lee to come up with a new superhero team. Okay. And this is still around the time when Lee is kind of contemplating getting out of the comic book game... ...not really sure where he sees his career going... So, Stanley's wife ends up suggesting that he experiment with something new. Something he preferred. Something he wanted to write. A new new idea. Um, Since he was planning on changing careers anyway. And so, he really didn't have anything to lose. If it worked out fantastic, then great. You know, his careers jump-started again. If it didn't work out, no big deal. He was leaving anyway. So... Lee ends up acting on that advice, giving his superheroes a flawed humanity, which is a drastic change from the ideal archetypes that are typically written for a somewhat younger audience. Um, so this naturally led to a very comp, uh, led to very complex, uh, naturalistic characters who often had bad tempers fits of melancholy vanity um, bickered amongst themselves worried about paying their bills impressing their uh, girlfriends and significant others got bored or even sometimes physically ill so this is something totally new up until now i mean superheroes were just these like
0: on like untouchable almost
1: exactly and so that's why I was kind of talking about your love for Spider-Man as, you know, he's the, he was part of a, uh, a new, a new trend in, uh, in comics and right, in superheroes overall. This, you know, this, this idea that, you know, superheroes go through the same
0: stresses in life
1: that everybody else does.
0: Right, and I think it's so interesting. I mean, I was watching um, short videos and biographies of uh, Stan Lee after we heard of his passing, and he talked that way and felt that way up to the day he passed away. I mean, this man was so passionate about the way that he thought of comics that there's no other way to do it. And, mm-hmm. you know, you honestly see the whole comic world shift after this kind of idea came into it because so many people were like, you know, Mr Fantastic could be the guy next to me. Yeah, they have these powers that are out of this world and and it can really, you know, change the fate, but for them to be able to just like, oh, you still have to ride an elevator because you can't fly. Like Yeah. You know yeah, I
1: mean? you know it's it's the guy you see walking down the road, walking in the rain because he forgot his umbrella and then accidentally stepped in dog poop, you know. Right. Right. He's having a horrible day, but you know, 10 minutes later, he might be saving your life because he's a superhero.
0: Right, and I think that really struck a chord with people and Stan Lee really understood that and he believed that throughout his entirety, the entirety of his career in comics and I think that's just groundbreaking and fantastic.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's something that was a, you know, looking back on it, it's a pretty risky move to make. You know, anytime you ever shake up the you know the idea of what everybody else is doing what's successful at the time you know and then you decide like nope i'm not doing that anymore you know that's not an easy <laughs> decision to make not at um, all but i mean it, obviously we're talking about stan lee you know after his death we're you know me and you are making a podcast episode about him obviously he's well known enough to where that worked out fantastic
0: Right, right. And one <laughs> last thing on <laughs> one last thing on this on this topic is how we talked about how comics were when he was really getting started was just kind of, you know, it was an it was an embarrassment. It was kind of um abnormal to be into comics, but I feel like this kind of shift in comic really built the bridge to connect it all because If comics were originally written for like pre-teens and then now being able to relate as a regular human being, adults can kind of jump into it and be like, yeah, my day at work was crappy too, but it's good to be able to help out my neighbor. You know what I mean? Friendly neighborhood Mm -hmm. Spider-Man. Look at that. (laughs) Always (laughs) comes back to Spider-Man. (laughs) Always, always will. All right, I'll move on to the next point. The first superheroes Lee and artist Jack Kirby created together were the Fantastic Four based on a previous Kirby superhero team, Challengers of the Unknown, and it was actually published by the DC Comics. Um, Challengers of the Unknown was published by DC Comics, but Lee was working with Kirby to create the Fantastic Four. So the team's immediate popularity led Lee and Marvel's illustrators to produce a a Cal cavalcade of new titles did i say that right
1: i don't know okay
0: Caval- <laughs> cavalcade. cavalcade cavalcade pretty a whole bu- a whole bunch of new titles lot. comics and comics featuring and the lots. fantastic four <laughs> again working with kirby <laughs> lee co-created the hulk thor iron man and the x-men and with bill everett daredevil and with steve ditko dr strange and marvel's most successful character do you see that Underlined Marvel's most successful character, Spider Man, all of whom lived in a thoroughly (laughs) shared universe between all of them. But uh, you know, it's there's a lot of cool people and and both involved as well as people as in characters of these comics, Um, and to be able to just create these. And drum up what these characters' backstories are, what their hopes and dreams are, as well as faults. I think is just a magnificent feat of imagination and mm-hmm. passion that both. I feel like just seeing Lee in action, both you know, on red carpets, um, in videos, in pictures, his passion and imagination really bled out to the people he worked with, and I think that's how Marvel was able to thrive and almost become number one in the comic world.
1: Yeah. I mean, he, it, he's not the kind of guy that was just going through the motions. Yeah. Yeah. I got to make this appearance to promote this. And you know, that's, this was his livelihood. This isn't just what paid the bills, you know, right. even if he wasn't a big success, this is what he would, this is what he wanted to do. Right. Um, and it, and like know, which, he, he which would,
0: always makes something that this, much better. Right. No, I'm totally with you. And it's almost like he's almost when he's, when he's in the middle of one thing, he's already talking about the next big thing on his mind.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, that's kind of something he was a little bit known for in um, in interviews and uh, even on uh, sections of comic books. He was kind of big into um, adding in extra things to comic books that were not normally uh, not normally in there. There'd be pages talking about you know upcoming. You know, what's coming up next? Maybe a new character that's coming out, or a, um, you know, hey, readers, look forward to this happening. You know, he was always promoting, always excited about something new coming up.
0: Right, right.
1: <clears throat> and so, kind of, you know, all these characters we talked about the Hulk, Thor, Iron Man, um, Doctor Strange, Daredevil, uh, this, in. In addition to these, there was also a, a revival of older characters such as Captain America from the '40s, who had kind of died out a little bit. Um, ended up bringing back the Cap, and this is a <laughs> this is where we also see uh, the emergence of the Avengers, where these the lives of these characters were kind of uh, grouped together, and yet another. Uh, team of superheroes um, still kind of based off of the uh, the the human nature of the characters that you know their disputes between them and that sort of thing and so that's kind of what we see now that's just a good uh, relatable uh, aspect to the Marvel Marvel universe that you know listeners might recognize today. Um, right yeah, but moving on, A little bit to the next point. Lee's revolution extended beyond the characters in their storylines to a way in which comic books engaged the readership and built a sense of community between fans and creators. And I mean, that's pretty much what we've been talking about this whole time about, you know, it's not like they're just pumping out comic books as fast as they can, just trying to get the next big thing out. It was, it was all based off of a community and a relationship between the writers the characters and the fans
0: right and that's you know that started but it's also just built up it never went away that's where we still are to this day and it's just getting Mm -hmm. better and better yeah and Um, i mean
1: that's one reason why the the films that keep coming out every couple years they're always um they always do fantastic in the box office
0: right they're always like one of the top 10 Always mm-hmm. within the top ten of how much they've grossed mm-hmm. worldwide. Yeah, absolutely insane. Um, this is kind of cool. This kind of shows Lee's um, you know humility and and able to connect as well as recognize the people that not just himself. But everyone he worked with that created these masterpieces. So he actually introduced the practice of regularly including a credit panel on the splash page of each story, naming not just the writer and penciler, but also the inker and the letterer. So everyone that really had a big hand in creating these comic books were cited. And I think that's absolutely fantastic. Kind of, he was the pioneer of so many trends and then now, you know, precedents within the comic world. And I think that's amazing.
1: Yeah, and you can kind of look at this back to, I mean, he knows the he knows the lives of people like the pencilers and the inkers and the letterers, you know, because he did that. He spent years as those guys or below them, you know? Right. And right. so he knows how much work they put into the creation of a comic book and what it's like to put all that work into it and not be credited with any of that work. And so... You know, looking at, you know, his decision to put in their credit into the making of that, into the making and design of that comic book, it kind of, uh, it, it's easy to see, you know, I mean, he, that's what he did. He grew up. He didn't just, he worked his way up through the ranks and he
0: knows exactly what it's like to be those people. That's an amazing point. Good, good work, Ben. Pat Thank on the you. back if I could give it to you. i got a gold star. <laughs> I'm In- <laughs> a good noodle. <laughs> <laughs> In 1972,
1: um, Lee stopped writing monthly comic books to assume the role of publisher. Um, his final issue of The Amazing Spider-Man, number 110, July 1972, and his last Fantastic Four was episode number... or. Uh, Issue number one twenty-five in August of nineteen seventy-two. Um, so after this, there he a little bit of involvement here and there, kind of sporadic, pretty much whenever you know he felt he felt like stepping in, or whenever he was needed or whenever he had time. That's kind of when you would see him actually doing work in print. Um, but right. you know, it was in nineteen seventy-two
0: when he he stopped doing that full time right and here's just kind of the the guy to give creative input and say yay or nay on certain ideas and Mm -hmm. and uh creative creative ways of and pretty much he was steering the boat rather than maintaining the boat
1: (laughs) yeah i mean he pretty much took over a full-time responsibility of being the face for marvel
0: right right all right so now we're going to lead into our last couple of points here on the show um personal life. So he married Joan Clayton Bucock on December 5th, 1947, and together they had their daughter, Joan J.C. Lee, who was born in 1950, and they actually had another daughter, Jan Lee, who passed away three days after delivery back in 1953. So right now they just have one surviving daughter, Joan Lee. Um, on July 6th, 2017, his wife of 69 years, um, Joan died of complications from a stroke. She... Uh, was 95 years old at the time um, of her death back in 2017. And, you know, this kind of can, you know, a lot of times you see not even just any, like not even just Stan Lee, but anybody um, when you're at that point in life and your significant other passes away, a lot of times it's, you know, life just kind of gets hard um, and it just kind of all comes together shortly after um, someone that you've spent almost your entire life with. It's hard to, to think about life without them, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. And th- I mean, that's something you see a lot is especially like you said, people who spend the vast majority of their lives together, you know, it's, they end up dying relatively close together, you know, one will pass away and then the other is, you know, a year, a year or two after, you know, not very long. Um, Right, in yeah, ninety-five
0: a, years, man, that is a long time. They oh, they lived amazing lives. I know, you know, it's I,
1: I can't even imagine what it would be like to be ninety-five years old. Not just in the, not just in the scope of growing older. You know what I mean? But looking at it like, look at how much stuff you've seen in your life, especially in the time that right stan lee lived well stan lee and his wife joan you know um what a what a crazy number of years to be alive in to be living that long i mean that you've seen a such a dramatic change in culture in just the world in general um in technology especially you know, oh, how yeah. fast it's, I mean, there, there's been, there had been so many changes in their life. I mean, it's it pretty much every decade. That's, I mean, the, the 1900s, that's every decade is known for something, you know? <laughs> right, right. There's been that much stuff, that is, there's been that much stuff happen in that relatively short period of time that every decade is known for a specific thing, pretty much.
0: Right, right. Gosh, that's insane. That's just mm-hmm. that bewilders me, man. Yeah,
1: we're getting deep right. here on Young We nostalgia. are. We are very <laughs>
0: deep. Why don't you round us out? All right.
1: So, Stanley passed away at the age of 95 at Cedars Sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles, California, on November 12th of 2018. After being rushed there in a medical emergency earlier in the day, the cause of death listed on his death certificate excuse me, listed on his death certificate was cardiac arrest with respiratory failure and congestive heart failure as underlying causes. Old age. It's pretty much what that pretty says. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, it also indicated that he also suffered from aspiration pneumonia. Um, in regards to uh, the last couple years of stan lee's life roy thomas who uh, succeeded lee as editor-in-chief at marvel had visited lee two days prior to his death to discuss the upcoming book the stan lee story and stated quote i think he was ready to go but he was still talking about doing more cameos as long as he had the energy for it and didn't have to travel stan was always up to do some more cameos
0: he got a kick out of those more than anything else, unquote. Which that just shows his true heart in this business. It, I mean, he wanted to be a part of it. That's who he was. Exactly. And that's, I mean, he wouldn't have had it any
1: other way other than to be that involved. I mean, that's what he's known for. I mean, it's. I don't know about you, but when I go see a new Marvel movie, I'm always searching for Stanley's cameo.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that he has filmed a good portion of cameos for the new upcoming movies. Um, oh, really? F- from what I've heard is that they tried to incorporate and do cameos um, and kind of have a backlog of cameos to be able to you know, pay tribute to him for the next few movies into the future. Wow,
1: I didn't know that. That's That's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we'll see how that all works out, but I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, I mean, Mm -hmm. nothing really embodies who Stanley was and his spirit in the universe of Marvel when he wanted to continue being a part of it till November 12th of this year. That's amazing. Yeah,
1: and you know, that's you just don't... Maybe that's the, the... Well, of course that's the reason Marvel is so gigantic. You know, DC kind of... DC kind of comes and goes and it's, it's, I mean, they're successful, but they just don't have the spotlight that Marvel does. And it's so easy to see why, because right. Stan Lee is Marvel. If Stanley was, D- and yeah, if Stan Lee was DC, DC would be gigantic, you know, but, oh yeah, that's, <laughs> I mean, he's, that's Stan Lee made Marvel. That's just how, that's just how it is.
0: The end. Maybe we'll do the like end. one of those special <laughs> endings that if you stay past the ending music, we'll say something else. <laughs> oh, uh, that would be funny. <laughs> I feel like
1: we can't do it now that we talked about it. Like, it I know, right? It has to be
0: right? a surprise. I know, right? <laughs> right. People are still going to listen to the ending ending music. And that's a wrap. Uh, Thank you guys so much for joining us here at Young Moustache. we um, talk this week, as we continue to journey through our retro pop cult, man, I screwed that up. That's okay. Words are hard. Yes, they are. As always, if you guys enjoy the show, please leave a kind review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, whether it be CastBox, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher. We're out there. You can find us on your favorite Podbean Directory, please give us a five star review. Or you can email email us at youngnostalgia twenty seventeen at gmail.com. Email us your thoughts, comments, as well as any future show suggestions or opinions. And you can also connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. If you go to our Podbean page, youngnostalgia.podbean.com, you'll see our banners there. Please give us a like, give us a follow. It'd mean a lot. And as always, please feel free. Actually, we want you to go back check out cozy knits by Real Big Stitch on Etsy. One of our longtime fans and listeners, she does great work. Her reviews on the page will tell you it all. Amazing <laughs> hand knitted products. You'll save ten percent by using nostalgia eighteen all caps, no spaces off your order using nostalgia eighteen for your hand hand knitted items for your family and friends this holiday season. Ben, anything else, big guy? You know,
1: I was just thinking it seems as often as we're talking about some new podcast hosting service that's picking us up you know go always going through a list of hey listen to us here i think it would be a shorter list to just tell just throw it out there who not to listen to us on
0: <laughs> right then it would be right.
1: to <laughs> then it would be to read off the laundry list of services <laughs> that do carry our show
0: Oh, I love it. That's a good That's a good one. Maybe I'll start doing a little bit more research to try and shorten this ending up. Oh, Thank you guys. Thank you so much for being here with us. It means a ton to have you here and sharing in your passion with our passion for the retro pop culture. As always, thank you so much. I think I've said thank you way too much. As we always say here on Young Nostalgia.
1: Keep the bottles empty and the ashtrays full.
0: We'll talk to you next week.